Hey, Crypto Nation, this is Chris from Exodus, and in this video, we'll talk about the coin that started it all, the king of crypto, the coin that to many people is synonymous to cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin, Bitcoin, Bitcoin. So without much ado, let's dive into our brief history of Bitcoin. It all started soon after the financial crisis of 2008, when on October 31st, the now famous white paper, Bitcoin, a peer-to-peer -peer electronic cash system, was shared on a cryptography forum by Satoshi Nakamoto as an answer to the shortcomings of the traditional fractional financial system that had led to the crisis. The problem with electronic payments in the past is the risk of the same money being spent twice. This is called double spending. The issue was the inability to verify whether a digital currency has been spent more than once. The only solution that existed up to that point was to have a trusted third-party entity that verified all transactions, like a central bank. But the experience of 2008 had shown that these trusted entities don't always work in the best interests of the people whose money they handled. Satoshi solved the double spending problem by using cryptography, proof of work, and a decentralized peer-to-peer -peer network of nodes that validate transactions and transfer the ownership of wealth to each person's hands. What a brilliant idea. What Satoshi proposed was that transactions would be added to blocks of data, each with a timestamp of creation, and each new block would be added after the previous one and would be cryptographically related to it, so that if one block is changed, all subsequent blocks must be changed too. And thus, the blockchain was created. But in order to create a new block, there needs to be a cost to it. Otherwise, anyone could add any number of arbitrary blocks to the chain. That cost is none other than the electricity needed by computers to solve a mathematical problem. The first one to do gets to add a new block to the chain. This new block generates new Bitcoins, which the miner that solved the problem gains as a reward for their efforts, along with all the transaction fees. That is proof of work, also known as mining, referencing the effort needed to mine precious metals. This proof of work also secures the network because in order for an attacker to take control of the network and change previous transactions, they would need to control the majority of the computing power of the network, the infamous 51% attack. As we know, the cost of running a miner today that actually mines bitcoins is extremely high, making the accumulation of such power by one single entity practically impossible. But even if two or three mining pools join forces and acquire the necessary 51%, it would still not make financial sense to attack the network, as they would completely undermine their own wealth by destroying the credibility of Bitcoin. All that and more were described in the original white paper that started the amazing journey of cryptocurrencies. A few days later, Nakamoto registers the product on SourceForge, the open source code platform. And on January 3rd, 2009, the first ever Bitcoin block named the Genesis block is mined, awarding Satoshi the first 50 Bitcoins of the 21 million that will ever be created. In that block, Nakamoto puts the message, The Times, 3rd January 2009, Chancellor on brink of second bailout for banks. A headline of London Times that day which has been interpreted as both a timestamp and a critique on the traditional financial system. 
On January 9, version 0.1 of Bitcoin is published. It's so complete that for many, it's an indication along with the ingenious ideas inside the white paper that Satoshi Nakamoto cannot be just one person, but it is the pseudonym of a group of people. The identity of Bitcoin's founder remains a mystery until today. And although many names have been proposed, there has been no concrete proof for any of them. While most candidates have denied being Satoshi Nakamoto. Regardless of who Satoshi Nakamoto really is, on January 12, 2009, he makes the first ever Bitcoin transaction, sending 10 BTC to developer Hal Finney, who is actually one of the candidates to be Satoshi. Fast forward a few months and the first ever BTC USD rate is established on October 5th, 2009, based on the cost of electricity to produce one single Bitcoin. The rate was $1 equals 1,309.03 BTC, or inversely, one BTC was worth just 0 .00076, a fraction of a cent. A few months later, on February 6, 2010, the first ever Bitcoin exchange is established. It's funny to look back to these early discussions and the Bitcoin price predictions these very early adopters were making, where $12 per BTC seemed like something taken out of a fantasy novel. Who could have imagined back then where Bitcoin would be today? A couple of months later, in what would turn out to be a historic event, the first purchase of goods with Bitcoin takes place. Developer and early adopter Laszlo offers 10,000 BTC for two large pizzas in the BitcoinTalk.org forum. Someone took him up on that offer and ordered for him the two pizzas with a cost of around $25. These pizzas set the first real life value for BTC at about a quarter of a cent. With today's valuation, those pizzas are worth over $100 million. Definitely the most expensive pizzas ever bought. Regardless, the 22nd of May 2010 was a significant milestone in Bitcoin's history and has since been celebrated in the ecosystem as none other than Bitcoin Pizza Day. But even one and a half months later, Laszlo had already overpaid for his pizzas. Version 0.3 of Bitcoin that was released on July 7th is mentioned in the tech site Slashdot.org, and that drives many users to explore the new technology. As a result, in just five days, the Bitcoin price rises tenfold from about an eighth of a cent on July 12th to eight cents on July 17th. On December 10th, 2010, an article on PC World about the WikiLeaks scandal and its inability to get access to financial services mentions Bitcoin as a funding alternative. The next day, Satoshi Nakamoto posts his final words on BitcoinTalk.org. Quote, it would have been nice to get this attention in any other context. WikiLeaks has kicked the hornet's nest and the swarm is headed towards us. For a man who apparently values anonymity and privacy, having Bitcoin linked with WikiLeaks at that time seems to have raised a red flag that prompted him to leave the project. As he said in his final email correspondence a few months later, quote, he moved on to other things. 
On February 9th, 2011, Bitcoin reaches parity with the dollar on Mt. Gox. And a couple of months later, on April 23rd, it surpasses the Euro and the British pound. And less than one and a half months later, the first parabolic movement of Bitcoin's price takes place. On June 2nd, it reaches $10. Then by June 8th, it climbs to its highest price yet of $31.91, only to plummet again to $10 four days later on June 12th. This movement would become known as the Great Bubble of 2011. And as we know today, it wouldn't be the last parabolic movement Bitcoin ever did. Although the core idea and functionality of Bitcoin has remained the same since its inception, it has also received many improvements. In April 2012, one such major improvement goes live. It's called Pay to Script Hash, or P2SH, which gives birth to addresses starting with the number 3. These addresses allow the recipient to set any number of arbitrary conditions that need to be met in order to spend the funds, like requiring the signature of more than one person the famous multi-sig wallet. Around the same time, another improvement that made the life of users a lot easier was adopted. Now, this is a mouthful. Hierarchical deterministic wallets, or otherwise simply known as HD wallets, like Exodus, where a single master key, not just for Bitcoin, but for all assets, controls all the rest of the public and private keys in the wallet. To make matters even simpler, another improvement translates this master key to a number of words, with which a user could use to restore all of their private keys and addresses in case of a mishap. This is the famous mnemonic phrase, also known as the 12-word secret phrase or wallet seed. On block 210,000, the reward for mining a block was reduced from 50 Bitcoin to 25. As with the limited supply, the halving of the mining rewards was included in the Bitcoin protocol since the beginning to limit inflation and ensure the scarcity of Bitcoins. The halving happens every 210,000 blocks or approximately every four years. And since this first one, we've had two more. The second one on July 9th, 2016 and the third on May 11th, 2020. The halvings will continue until the reward drops to zero, when all 21 million Bitcoins will have been issued. And it's expected to happen somewhere around the year of 2140. After that point, the miners will be rewarded only with the transaction fees. Havings so far have been followed by a price increase. So a few months later in April 2013, the Bitcoin price surpassed $100 for the first time, while the market cap had broken the $1 billion threshold just a few days earlier. Bitcoin even reached $266 before crashing again to about $100 after another exchange hack. Around that time, governments started to take notice of Bitcoin and try to figure out how to categorize and regulate or even control this new digital currency. In October of the same year, the FBI manages to shut down the infamous dark website Silk Road and seize its assets. Because of that incident, Bitcoin starts to get portrayed as the coin of criminals and money laundering. During these months, Bitcoin saw a huge surge in price, going from a little over $100 in October to breaking the $1,000 barrier in November and December. But a ban from China and the bankruptcy of Mt. Gox, both in a span of a couple of months, drove the price down again and Bitcoin wouldn't reach that psychological barrier again until January 2017. 
Mt. Gox, a Bitcoin exchange that dominated the market until February 2014 when it filed for bankruptcy after it became clear that 850,000 Bitcoins had been lost over three years and several other misappropriations had taken place. At the time, it was feared by many Bitcoin enthusiasts that the incident could bring the death of Bitcoin. Bitcoin has been pronounced dead several times over the years, but this was perhaps the only time that the fears came from inside the ecosystem. Thankfully, Bitcoin persevered as it has always done, and Mt. Gox has since become a textbook example of the importance of not storing your funds on an exchange. As crypto evangelist Andreas Antonopoulos has put it, not your keys, not your Bitcoin. This model's purpose is to instill the idea that Bitcoin was invented to allow transactions directly between users without the need of an intermediary. In order, however, for someone to do that and to be the true owner of their Bitcoins, they need to hold the private keys used to sign transactions. When users send money to an exchange, they also transfer the true ownership of those funds to these exchanges. Since the exchange holds the private keys to the deposit address and not the user. This makes it clear why it's important that private keys remain secret and safe. Private as the name implies. The private keys sign the transactions, and that signature is the only thing miners need to consider a transaction valid. So whoever controls the private key to an address controls the funds that are in it. And if that someone is anyone else other than the true owner of the funds, then they're as good as gone. Let's get back to our timeline. 2017 was definitely a very interesting year for Bitcoin and the ecosystem in general. Multi-million initial coin offerings or ICOs, forked coins, and of course the bull run that brought a lot of buzz around the quote, new digital currency. During the first few months of 2017, Bitcoin is moving around the $1,000 mark, but after May, its price starts climbing and climbing. From around $1,300 on May 1st, it will reach almost $7,500 by November 9th. But the true bull run hadn't yet come. Meanwhile, amongst the constantly changing price and political field, Bitcoin improvements kept coming. One of the most important improvements was segregated witness, or SegWit, as it's called in short. SegWit separated the signature and the script part of the transaction from the part with the actual transaction details, effectively increasing the block size from one megabyte up to four megabytes, and as a result, reducing transaction fees and improving scalability which is seen as one of Bitcoin's major drawbacks. Increasing the block size was a matter of much debate in the Bitcoin community, and as a result, although the SegWit proposal existed since 2015, it wasn't until August 2017 that it was implemented, and still not without controversy. On August 1st, 2017, Bitcoin Cash forked or split from BTC, with its community representing the belief that Bitcoin should be a means of transaction, while Bitcoin Core as the original Bitcoin came to be known is viewed more as a store of value. Bitcoin Cash's creation initiates the era of forks, a period of around a year where forks of Bitcoin and other famous cryptocurrencies start popping up left and right. Most of these coins had nothing new to offer and their sole purpose was to create coins out of thin air. So they soon fell into oblivion, 
but others stuck around like Bitcoin Gold or Bitcoin Diamond, which both support SegWit, unlike BCH. Currently, Bitcoin can't come even close to competing with legacy payment systems. With a capacity of just seven transactions per second and a confirmation time of 10 minutes on average, it's far behind Visa's maximum capacity of 65,000 transactions per second, and it's nearly instant payments. Furthermore, because only so many transactions can fit in a block, when the network is congested, fees skyrocket in a bidding war between the users to get their transactions into the next block. So what's the upgrade that will solve all these problems? The answer, Lightning Network. We'll cover the Lightning Network in another video. On December 17, 2017, it reached the highest price to date, $19,783. Bitcoin was mentioned almost daily on mainstream media at this time, driving a lot of people to the new ecosystem to find out what this phenomenon is and take part in the gains so many are already enjoying. FOMO. The fear of missing out is on full throttle, driving many people to buy Bitcoins at its highest prices. But as it had happened before, and it will surely happen again, Bitcoin was on a parabolic movement, and as its price rose, so it fell. Bitcoin and all cryptocurrencies are definitely highly volatile and have seen many extreme highs and extreme lows. But what many traders like to point out is that after each crash, it settles at a higher low than the previous one. What are your thoughts? Will Bitcoin be able to hold above 10K? Is a new bull run on the horizon? We can see that Bitcoin's past and the technological and financial revolution it brought is well documented. But where do you think Bitcoin is today and what will its future hold? Let us know in the comments below. If you enjoyed this video, hit that like button and subscribe to the Exodus channel for more crypto videos from Exodus. Until next time, hold on or buy pieces with Bitcoin.